and welcome back into episode number four of the ball boys podcast we are here again new little background for me here something something light something light all i did was flip the desk around it it wasn't a huge (laughs) deal but you know i had to take the stuff off the desk put it back on that's not what they're that's not what anybody's here to talk about we're here to talk about of course nba free agency kicking off we got a little nfl discussions you guys know what it is at this point but i want to start starting off these podcasts with a little bit of a quick question and the quick question of the day is just simply with nba free agency on the horizon who are we most excited to see this free agency and what their free agency really will be so i'm going to start with you nolan who are you most excited to see where they end up this free agency? Um, I'm going to say Max Struess. This is very pretty wild. Um, I just saw a tweet recently, I think it was yesterday, and he's getting a lot of attention from a multitude of teams, and I'm just pretty stoked to see kind of where he ends up, his talent, all of that, um, and just see where he lands. And then the second guy, too, would be Fred Flynn Fleet. You know, I mean, he's probably like one of the high-caliber free agents left. And just excited to see where he goes. And I know Houston's a possibility. Yeah, I mean, two vastly different players there with two different outcomes. I think Max Struess will likely follow the money. Um, you know, there's no guarantee that there's a second contract coming for this guy. You know, similar to Duncan Robinson. When he was offered the big money, he took it. And if Houston or San Antonio offers Max Struess the big money, he's going to take it. Because that contract could set him up for life, but it could also be the only contract he gets like that in the NBA. Uh, For Fred Van Vliet, I saw the Houston connections. You know, if they're willing to give him over $40 million average per year, (laughs) amen. Get get your bag. Get your bag. Go lead lead Houston. Um, But I'd love to see Freddie on more of a contending team. But again, at the end of the day, a contending team's not going to give him $40 million a year. Um, my answer for this is Kyrie Irving. Um, it's not just so much that I think that there's a wide range of outcomes. I ultimately think Kyrie ends up in Dallas, and I'd give it about an 80% shot. But the way that social media, news media, everything that's going to cover this Kyrie Irving free agency is just going to be an absolute roller coaster of a ride. And I'm going to sit back. Get the popcorn and enjoy this movie of Kyrie Irving and where he might end up. But today we're going to start off on the show by talking about your 76ers. I know a lot of the fans are Philly based. And there's a lot of questions going into this offseason for the Sixers. The first one being, what's the deal with James Harden? Because originally when the offseason first hit, I gave it about a 70-30 shot that he was going to Houston. Then... Just a couple days ago, it seemed like things had flipped the other way, and he was almost assuredly back in Philadelphia. Then yesterday, reports are coming out that it's maybe more 60-40, still in favor of Philly. And then today, reports coming out from, I believe this was from Woj or Windhorst, a real reliable source, that Harden is likely to see an annual average of north of $35 million a year offered from Philadelphia. So just as a Sixers fan, what is your instant reaction to this? Because I'm seeing a mixed bag on Twitter, and some Sixers fans are already looking for new teams. Um, You know, I said this on, the think, the first podcast, and I said the, the only way the Sixers 
chances of having a chance of winning the title, or at least getting to the finals, even the Eastern Conference finals, would be to re-sign James Harden. And I know that's not what everybody loves. Um, I could definitely see why, but we really don't have a choice. You know, I mean, we have limited free agents out there, you know, um, we have Tobias Harris and his deal. Um, so I think bringing back James Harden is the best opportunity. And I think it really speaks volumes for what Maury has said is the reason why we've lost is because of coaching and leadership. And I think he wants to run it back at least one more time with Nick Nurse and kind of see if we could get the job done this time. Yeah, and I'll stand on the hill, and I'm willing to get arrows shot at me left and right for this take. But James Harden is not the reason that the Sixers were unsuccessful last year in the playoffs. It was Joel Embiid. And granted, I get it. He was hurt. But he's hurt every postseason. At a certain point, you kind of have to hold it against him as a player and as a guy that you build around. He won the MVP, and then against Boston, he didn't show up again. James Harden won the Sixers two games in that series. What more do you ask from from your second best player? He won you two games in the semifinal round, which many people thought was the trip to the finals after Miami and the Knicks were playing each other. Obviously, it didn't turn out to be that way. But if the Sixers had been able to get past Boston, based on what Jokic did to them with his size, I think it's fair to say that the Sixers would have had a good shot at representing the East in the finals. So if Joel Embiid had stepped up in that game six at home and done his job, we could be talking about the Sixers as NBA champions. So I don't think it's far-fetched for this team to say, let's run it back or at least let's run it back with this Harden and Bead duo. And I think a lot of people need to realize as well, a lot of GMs and a lot of teams look at this holistically. How was it performed all season, not just the last four games of our season? And James Harden, what, would he lead the league in assists last year? Somewhere near the top, I believe he was first. He was a great point guard for this team, and he is a floor general. If he were to go away, who is running the offense? There's not a lot of options out there for guys that can run an offense. Now, could you go potentially get a Tyus Jones in a deal from the Wizards? You know, they just got him, but obviously they're more looking for draft capital. I guess. Could you go get a Monte Morris? Sure. Tyrese Maxey, hand to the ball more. Yeah, but like you said, the Sixers are looking to win now. What gives you the best shot to win now? Um, Bringing back James Harden. That's what gives you the best shot to win now. Now, a player that could be on the move is Tobias Harris. And I was on a phone call earlier with uh, our buddy Matt, who runs the college kids, so shout out Matt. And we were talking about the Sixers. And Tobias, the problem with him isn't the play, it's the money. This guy makes too much money for the player that he is. And it was a bad contract given out by Philadelphia. Plenty of teams have been susceptible to it. And Tobias, you know, got in his feelings a little bit at a press conference the other day and wasn't really happy about the way that Sixers fans were talking about trading him and how they do every offseason. And I get it because on one hand, Tobias is right. He is a 6'9 forward. This guy could shoot the three at a 40% clip. He is willing to take on tough defensive matchups. In the past two years in the postseason, I would say as a fourth option, he's done well. The problem, again, lies with how much money he's making as a fourth option and where that's comparable to other guys in the league. So Philly making a move where Tobias Harris is either traded for depth. You know, I've seen potential deals floated out where it's 
uh, Tobias Harris and another player to Toronto for uh, Gary Trent and Chris Boucher and just more roster fill-out guys that give the Sixers team depth. I like a move like that. Or, you know, if there's a potential deal with the Clippers to swap him and Paul George, I don't hate that as well either, just because Paul George is obviously a better player than Tobias Harris and the money works. For the Clippers, Tobias Harris could be healthy. Again, this is all speculation at this point. We could see Tobias Harris go to a team like Cleveland. They need a forward. Anyway, I don't think the Sixers at this point can really justify running the exact same team back. While bringing Harden back is necessary, and we'll see what Maxi's progression is, at least for the full season, I don't see the justification in rolling with the same team. But Sixers fans... If Tobias isn't moved now, I don't think it's the end of the world. Hold on to him to the trade deadline. Guess what? Certain teams that thought they were going to be good are now going to be selling. Perhaps the Raptors are willing to part ways with a Pascal Siakam. Perhaps the Bulls are willing to part ways with a Zach Levine for an expiring Tobias Harris contract. There's moves that can be made at the deadline. We just watched the Lakers turn their whole team around from the 13th seed to the conference finals at the deadline. You know, stay calm if you don't move Tobias Harris, but I think between now and the trade deadline, he should be moved. I mean, you got a valid point, and I think the thing that people don't realize is Tobias has been here for a while, you know, and for him to just be moved that quick of a switch, you know, I mean, I don't know how the rest of the team would feel. I think Joel Embiid like, is, is probably his favorite teammate with, I mean, the stuff they've been through. Um, being in Philly for this long, you know, that whole COVID situation, he was like the only guy that was here that's still on the team. I think that's pretty dominant, you know. So it's tough because I think with getting rid of Tobias, it's also you have to get the value for it, you know. It's one thing if you trade him off and you get an awesome player like Paul George, whatnot here and there. But if you get some guys that aren't that great, I mean – how does that help you win now, you know? And you have only a two- to three-year window, probably max, that I could see the Sixers really taking this over and winning. And if you don't really step it up and get what you need for this team, I think you have to keep Tobias, which is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, it obviously all is based on what's the market. And with the new mm -hmm. CBA, there's going to be question marks about what the new market is for a lot of players. And Tobias's money is coming off the books before the new CBA gets into place. It'll be an attractive contract for teams that are looking to blow it up and sell. You know, like I mentioned the Bulls, I think Zach Levine for Tobias could be a very viable trade come the trade deadline. What does that do to Philly defensively to have Maxi Harden and Zach Levine out there? I don't know. We can talk about that, I guess, when we get closer to that time. But I do want to just talk about the Sixers offseason a little bit more. Because while it's okay if you stay in a pat with Tobias and you bring back Harden, obviously you can't just do nothing. What would be one key free agent as a bench piece or maybe a starter that you want this team to look to bring in? You know, I don't know the odds of this happening. But with what he, I just saw him do, Bruce Brown would be a nice addition for this team. And I know he's probably commanding a decent amount of money, but to have that 
extra role guy, you know, who can shoot that three, which is what they need, I think he'd be an awesome fit for the Sixers. Yeah, and I mean, again, it's not impossible. We don't know what the Harden contract looks like. We don't know if Tobias gets moved. You know, there's a possibility that Tobias gets dumped to a team like Indiana who's interested, and the Sixers don't take that much in salary back. If you dump Tobias for a guy like Buddy Heald to make significantly less money, maybe you could use that money to go get a Bruce Brown and really fill out this roster. So I'm not going to say it's impossible. However, the option that I you know, circled here is Christian Wood. I think Christian Wood's time is done in Dallas. I think the Sixers could use some backup big depth. Joel Embiid, simply put, needs to play less minutes in the regular season. He's got his MVP, but guess what? This guy does not make it to the playoffs. So, Paul Reed, B-Ball Paul, showed last season that he is a quality big, and he can start some games that Joel misses. So, you're going to need a backup for him, though. Montrez Harrell wasn't it. He wasn't playable. Christian Wood is a guy who could play the four or the five. He could stretch the floor. Is he a great defender? No, but could he give you what Montrez Harrell did on a nightly basis? Probably. And I believe he actually started his career in Philly, funny enough. I think they may or may not have been the team that drafted him, but Christian Wood likely out of Dallas. Uh, I'd like to see him in Philadelphia. I think it'd just be one of those key role player tweaks where Maybe in a game six of a semifinals, he's a guy who comes off the bench and hits two big threes in the second quarter to sustain a run or to stop a run and actually provide some value compared to a Montrez Harrell. I do want to shift gears here, staying in Philadelphia, but switching to the NFL. Colin Coward on his show the other day, uh, you know, he introduced this segment, brought up some good points about how in the NFL, there's on average seven new playoff teams every season. And meaning teams that we expect to be in the playoffs will fall off. It's just inevitable. It happens. And sometimes it's the best of the best teams. Like two years ago, the Rams won the Super Bowl out of the playoffs. Sometimes it's teams that you can clearly see coming, perhaps like the Giants this year who got in at like nine and eight. And, you know, you could see a fall off coming. But. Colin Coward suggested, and he didn't say this was definitively going to happen, but just suggested the possibility that the Eagles could be the team to fall out of the playoffs that nobody sees coming. And his reasons for this were, you know, they were really healthy last year. Obviously, that's a concern. But then he went on to say that the offensive line is old and talked about Jalen Hurts as a mobile quarterback being the issue and made some not great points. I'll leave it at that. Um, First off, the Eagles' average age on their offensive line of starters is 26. So, I, I mean, I get it. Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey are over 30, but that's two-fifths of an offensive line. They're not old. PFF has them ranked as the number one offensive line and the number one defensive line. NFL games are one in the trenches, people. So, the Eagles, I think, are in a good position to get back to the playoffs. I'm not out here making a bold prediction saying that, I don't think, but it's something that we got to bring up. But it did spark this idea for me on this show to maybe Coward has a good point, though. There are teams that we do see as playoff locks, typically, that sometimes fall out. So I gave Nolan and myself the homework task of picking one surprise team to fall out of the playoffs now we got to give our arguments for it. Nolan, I'll give you the floor here. Yeah, so that coward segment, just shake my head. Look at my guy. You can't believe that. So 
if I had to pick one team, and I know we're going to be talking about, as it goes closer to the season, our teams for the playoffs, divisions. As you guys know, I have the New York Jets as the AFC East division winner. In order for that to happen, you have to have probably one team kind of far below where they're projected. That would be the wonderful Buffalo Bills and Bills Mafia fans. That that They love us. They love us, all right? They're so, about to love you. How long yeah. they love me? <laughs> all right, so this is why. All right, so like we said, the Bills, you know, they really haven't upgraded their O-line, you know, and in today's NFL, that's a huge problem to have. Two, Stephon Diggs and this whole drama situation is not what you want headed into and a really critical offseason, you know? He's your one person that you really need to really be on the same page as your quarterback, and not having him there is not the best situation to have. And three, I think, which is, you know, we'll see how people react to this, but Josh Allen is on the cover of Madden, all right? And <laughs> I got him. I got my Josh man's Josh throwing Allen. out the Madden curse as a reason <laughs> listen, the Bills are missing listen, the playoffs. Listen, I... I <laughs> Cogent analysis. I'm not going to say he's going to get hurt, you know, but it it does make me worry some, especially when fantasy comes around. I will be staying away from Bill's players. I hear you. I I was rooting for Jalen to not be on the cover. It's (laughs) it's a huge thing. And I think for me is you're going to have the Jets, which I think will be in first place. And the Dolphins are a huge threat. And honestly, I think I'd take those two teams over the Bills right now. And I think because of that, you're going to have the Bills fall down and all these other AFC teams, which are stacked above them. And that's why they'll miss the playoffs. Yeah. So I understand your argument. I don't agree with you, Bills fans. I am going to defend the Buffalo Bills here. I think this team makes the playoffs. They still have a top five quarterback, top six quarterback in the league, and Josh Allen, in my opinion. Yes, he's on the Madden cover, but <laughs> I mean, come on. Come on now. We're, we're, we're grasping at straws. They have a top five to top ten wide receiver in Stefan Diggs. They drafted Dalton Kincaid. I think this kid's going to be an absolute beast. Their defensive line is great. Ed Oliver, a returning Von Miller. You know, you still have Tredavious White. They, a lot of people forget that this team had a lot of injuries in their secondary, especially at safeties. I know a lot of people remember the DeMar Hamlin situation, and rightfully so, but he was one of the Bills' starting safeties. He played a huge role for that team. So while nobody really at the time wanted to talk about the football effects of it because it was bigger than football, when it came time for the postseason and big games, they were down not one but both of their starting safeties. And coming into the season, you know, the Bills will be better than they were at the end of last postseason. However, however, Bills fans loved me for a second there. I think it's more likely that this Buffalo Bills team misses the playoffs than wins the Super Bowl. I'll say it at that. Right now, I think Miami has an overall better roster. If they can keep Tua upright, they're my pick to win that division. And the Jets... You know, there's a lot of question marks around what their quarterback play is going to be. Last year, Aaron Rodgers was mid, but so was his offensive weapons. You lose Devontae Adams, things, you know, typically go downhill for an offense. Can he get back to that MVP form with Garrett Wilson, Lazard, Brees Hall? We'll see. The Jets as well have a top 10 defense in the league, so that division's going to be a dogfight. It's not to say that three teams from that division can't make the playoffs, but you have a loaded AFC West and AFC North as well, and somebody from the South, the Jaguars, has to make it. However, the team that I picked for this 
It may be even more controversial. However, the team that I picked to fall out is the 49ers. And I get it, a lot of gasps right now. And here's what I'll say. It's the end of June, early July, maybe when you're watching this. Can you confidently tell me who is the starting quarterback for the 49ers? I'm not even sure you'll be able to tell me by mid-August. Brock Purdy dealing with the UCL injury, which for baseball fans, you know, generally results in Tommy John surgery for pitchers. And they don't throw for 12 to 18 months. Brock Purdy got this injury in the NFC Championship. I do not believe he's going to be ready for week one until I see it. Reports on Trey Lance out of camp have been less than good. So now we're at Sam Darnold, who wasn't good enough for the Jets or Panthers. And I get it. Kyle Shanahan's a quarterback guru. But come on now. They are very talented everywhere else. McCaffrey, Debo, Kittle, Ayuk, a great offensive line, a great defense. But the most important position in football is the quarterback. McCaffrey's had injury problems in the past. Debo's had injury problems. Kittle has. You know, Trent Williams, their star left tackle. It only takes a couple injuries for this team to fall out of the most talented roster in the NFL. And when we don't know who's starting at the most important position, you've got injury-riddled players at high-value positions. It's not a great recipe for success. Seattle got better. They added Jackson Smith to Jigba. Um, the defense has gotten better. A lot of rookies on that defense last year. Tariq Wool in a corner I look forward to seeing. And maybe I'll get shit for this. But the LA Rams did just win the Super Bowl two years ago. Last year, Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford out. Aaron Donald dealing with injuries and then just decided not to play because the team was garbage. <laughs> they're going to be better this year than they were last year. Am I saying that they're going to win the division and make the Super Bowl again? No, but they could be a wild card playoff team and Seattle could win the division if there's enough injuries to the 49ers, which there already is, and we're not even in July, there's cause for concern. And please remember, the point of this segment was to pick a team that people wouldn't necessarily think. It's not like me and Nolan were coming up here saying, oh, well, the Vikings were 11-0 in one score game, so I could see them being out because the Lions are good. That'd be a boring-ass take. We had to go above and beyond here, and I believe that we did some controversy how, how do you feel about that 49ers take um i could definitely see it it's just for me kyle shanahan has that team like a well-oiled machine and i think whoever's behind that center position i think is gonna get the job done um i did see recently that purdy is looking very good with his injury so he should be back by week one maybe close i, I don't believe it I, that, I that's the one but... thing that, like, I'll stand on. I don't believe Brock Purdy is the week one starter for the 49ers. I, I'll believe it when I see it, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But if I have to mm -hmm. make projections right now, it's not going to be with him at the starting quarterback position. But speaking of that ever-so-important quarterback position, we're looking ahead here. Way too early MVP odds. You know, we're doing a little fortune-telling here and talking about who we would pick. And, you know, I've been letting you go first here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the charge on this one. I love, I love the odds for Lamar Jackson right now. Plus 1,500 to win the MVP. He won the MVP in 2021, unanimous MVP, dual threat quarterback, and then he dealt with two injury-riddled seasons. However, in my opinion, really only one. Last year, he got hurt, and there's no denying that. 
However, he purposely didn't come back because he didn't have a contract, which I respect the move, but, you know, in terms of looking at his seasons as could he be an MVP level player, I'm not going to hold that against him. Now, he comes into this season, fresh new minted contract. J.K. Dobbins a year removed from the ACL, so you got a running game. Mark Andrews, Odell Beckham Jr., Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman, Devin DuVernay. The best receiving core this guy has had ever in his career as a starter. He wins games at a 75% clip. The defense is excellent. Why am I bringing up the defense when talking about Lamar Jackson's MVP case? They're going to win games. This team very well could win the division. They were leading the division race last year when Lamar Jackson was healthy. So division winners, potentially a one seed in the AFC. Lamar putting up numbers on both the air and the ground and probably the best air numbers of his career. Now the touchdown to interception ratio will be better because he is more pure as a passer than he was when he won the MVP for the first time. As well, there's not enough, you know, oh, he won it too recently going on. Lamar won it three years ago at this point. I believe I said two earlier, but it's three. Rodgers had the back-to-back and then Mahomes last year. So there's enough of a gap for Lamar to win another one. Plus, he is a generational talent. I get it. A lot of people like Mike Vick. I do. I was, I'm an Eagles fan. But Lamar's the best running quarterback ever. This guy it could be a shoe-in to win multiple MVPs with this new group. I like him to win this year. I love him at plus 1,500 odds. So, fun fact, um, I actually went to middle school with Lamar Jackson. Wow. Um, wow. I, I didn't know that. Yearbook. Yeah. So, one one of these podcasts, I get my yearbook, and I'll show you, but he's in there. Um, but Get him on the I pod. Fr- friend of the pod, Lamar uh, yeah, Jackson. Yeah, yeah, friend yeah, of the pod. <laughs> um, so, but I love this big. Um, if we didn't have a podcast and I didn't have to pick somebody else. I'd probably pick Lamar Jackson right now because plus 1500 right now seems very I mean, nice. 15 to one odds. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I was on a Twitter space. I think it was last Monday with um, Des Bryant and that's who Des's pick was for this year. MVP. He said, I didn't even know that going into this. I, I was not in the Twitter <laughs> space with Des Bryant. No, he's he friend said of the he, pod, by the way. Yeah, yeah, he said he was super hungry. You know, I think he really is going to do it this year. And I haven't won the division, so we'll see with that. But I have to pick another player to win the MVP this year. And if I had to pick somebody else, I would probably go with Trevor Lawrence. Love this um, pick. Plus 1,400, um, pretty similar odds to Lamar Jackson. And a big reason why, I think, is you got Calvin Ridley coming into that offense. Another year with Doug Peterson, plus – the AFC South is super weak. Oh, yeah. They're winning that division. They might be the one seed. Exactly. And if they're the one seed, they play the Titans twice, the Texans twice, and the Colts twice. And if I believe I their schedule you, also has them going against the NFC South this year. I That sounds accurate. So Panthers, so, Saints, Bucks, Falcons. I mean, you uh, rattle that off. You could be looking at 12. Was that 12? No. Yeah. yeah. Or, no, uh, 10, nine. 10. 10 wins right there with the yeah. six ten. divisional games, four, yeah. and the NFC That's South. <laughs> but, bro, so if you get nine of those 10 wins and plus whoever else they're playing this year, you could get the one seed. And oh, if yeah. you're the one seed in this stacked AFC, Trevor Lawrence looks like 
the guy. And he's the guy know? that the NFL will want to push too. Exactly. Face of the NFL potentially exactly. another year in the. Oh, convincing me, convincing me exactly. right now. Uh, Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram's looked like a stud last year. Yep. And just another year at Dougie P. Don't don't forget Etienne. Love it. And and Etienne, <laughs> he was on my fantasy team last year. He's on my so dynasty I, team, so. I got him forever. I, like it. I, like uh, it. <laughs> I actually made a full video on the Jacksonville Jaguars on my personal YouTube channel. Shameless plug there. But, you know, I don't know if you heard that motorcycle go by or if that is, you know, only for my ears. But I made a whole video on the Jacksonville Jaguars and why I think they could potentially be a one seed in shock the league this year. So I do want to dive a little bit into their schedule and just kind of back up your point here. You did mention. AFC South, six games there. I brought up the NFC South, four more games there. So we're looking at 10 games right there. Of their seven remaining games, I think I counted there was like six real tough ones. I mean like Bengals, Chiefs-level competition. Of those six games, five of them are in Jacksonville. So they have home field advantage for a wide majority of their tough games. Their Vegas win total right now, I believe, is set at nine and a half. <laughs> it's it's an over that I am suggesting to hammer. And I know people go to the college kids, the eight ball, the Philly Godfather, all those guys on Twitter for betting advice over us, rightfully so. But this is the one bet that I will give out from now until <laughs> September when the season starts. Jacksonville Jaguars over win total. Now, you know, we both gave you two good MVP picks there as well. I want to switch just a little bit back to the NBA, though, because this is uh, the last segment before we get into our draft. And there's not much to go off of here. This is real, like, rumor report speculation. But we're recording on Wednesday. The video comes out Friday. There may or may not be a Darius Garland trade that has transpired by the time that this video comes out, because... And again, it's not even something I would have put on the show if I hadn't seen all the news I saw over the last 48 hours. Started with Brian Windhorst, who's been on a roll. And when he says something might happen, something usually happens. But he mentioned on, I believe, Get Up or First Take, I don't know, one of those shows. And he said, keep your eye on the Cavs. There's some outlandish talks going on. And John Marty saying too much. Ah, I shouldn't have said anything, which was really weird. But it's the way that Windhorst always breaks news. He did it with the Jazz with the famous, why would they do that? <laughs> I mean, he never breaks the actual news. He just tells you that he knew it before he knew it by hinting at it. And he's doing it again with the Cavs. And now today, reports come out, Darius Garland. The Cavs are taking calls on Darius Garland. Don't be surprised if this moves up. So we want to put on our future hats again Darius Garland is he getting moved if he get if he gets moved where's he going I'm seriously I mean anything off the cuff here because this is all just happened so fast and you know I've been trying to think of teams that one would want Garland and two have something to offer Cleveland and you know the first thing that comes to mind for me is the LA Clippers Paul George for Garland obviously the Clippers would have to give more because Garland's the more valuable asset right now. But you could run Mitchell at the point guard, which is a little unorthodox, but apparently reports saying that the Cavs are fine with it. 
Paul George and maybe Norman Powell really secure up that wing depth. You know, you want a lineup of Donovan Mitchell, Paul George, Norm Powell, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen. That's a good team. When healthy, but it's a good team. You send Garland to L.A., pair Garland with Kawhi. They have enough wings there. It, it's the trade that makes the most sense to me with all the rumors that I'm hearing. You know, I ever since last year when they traded for Donovan Mitchell, I've hated this Cavs roster. It just looking at it and how it's constructed, constructed, it just it doesn't really like look like a modern NBA team. Yeah. You know, there's so many weird puzzle pieces that like just don't fit. Um, so I think it's I think the first move in the right direction for the Cavs. Um, if I had to pick a team to see Garland move to, I maybe would want to say Toronto. I think pairing him up with Siakam, I think that's not a bad move. And Scotty Barnes for the long term. Yeah, yeah. And I think I, I think that could be a, a solid move. And he's a young guy. I think it could definitely work for them. Now, for that deal, do you see Van Vliet back to Cleveland in a sign-in trade? Or are you more looking so at an OG Ananobi, Gary Trent-esque package? Yeah, I'd say the OG and... Because uh, I know Ananobi is a guy that the Cavs wanted at the deadline. I mean, okay. their small forward position is brutal. It might be the worst in the NBA in terms of depth right now. Yeah. And I'm not trying to like be an asshole, but what do they have? Like Isaac Okoro and Dean yeah. Wade and that... Yeah, I mean, like... And they were bullied by the Knicks this yeah. postseason. So they need some guys like Ananobi and Trent and, you know, maybe a Chris Boucher with some size maybe we see that deal i mentioned it earlier as a tobias harris moving point but garland to toronto you know they keep siakam scotty barnes and the thing with um majai the gm of the raptors is like danny ainge he doesn't do a trade unless he like in his mind at least knows that he won yeah people say it's such a pain in the ass trading with him and i i believe it as well another team that i want to throw out there i'm not sure how it would work but Carl Anthony Towns to Cleveland for Darius Garland. Pair Garland up with Anthony Edwards. You know, I'm not sure where the trade works out there. I've seriously not thought about that at all. It just came to the mind here. So, you know, make up your own trade there. But now we're going to do another draft. And this is a real obscure draft. I'm going to have us each just do three picks here. But it is a draft that would make up the wildest NBA free agency offseason. That is essentially what you're trying to build. And I'm going to take the first one because you went first with the jersey draft and I have to take this. To start off my wildest NBA offseason, Kyrie going to the Lakers. I don't know how it would happen. That's not my job. My job is just to build a wild NBA offseason. And Kyrie Irving to the Lakers with LeBron and Anthony Davis would be absolutely wild. Um. So I, I got something similar. However, I think... LeBron to Dallas. I know there was a rumor a couple weeks ago, um, but him, Luca, and Kyrie in Dallas would be top notch. LeBron trade. Wow. When I thought I had it all with the Kyrie (laughs) signing. All right, all right. You got the snake draft, though, so you're up again. Um, I would would go with Tobias. I think Tobias for Paul George would... So Paul George to Philly is the real. Yeah, Paul George to Philly. (laughs) (laughs) Tobias, you know... But Paul George to Philly, get him with James Harden, you know, two playoff performances that are questionable. Um, but more star power to Philly with Paul George would be. Yeah. I didn't think that Damian Lillard was going to make it back to me, but I'm going to take a Dame trade. Not to Miami, though. 
We're going for wildest. Dame to the Milwaukee Bucks to pair with Giannis Antetokounmpo, whether it's Drew Holiday or Chris Middleton in pieces shipped to Portland. I'm taking that. And then number three. <laughs> it's a wild NBA offseason, but not everything has to be on the court. <laughs> If you're not familiar with the Zion Williamson situation, <laughs> today, Mariah Mills, his uh, side piece, posted a picture on her Instagram story of a positive pregnancy test. Number three is the baby is Zion's <laughs> to include in the wildest NBA offseason. The baby is Zion's. Hey, man, I'll definitely have my game stepped up for next. That was I'll give you. Top tier answer. That should be number one, honestly. That, <laughs> um, for number three, I'm going to say Jalen Brown to the Miami Heat. Wow. Or Tyler Hero, Max Struess, maybe some picks. Yeah, I mean, there's no way Boston flips him for not a star. I get it. As a Sixers fan, you're just trying to make the Celtics worse. But that, that'd be wild. I mean, that would have to be Jalen Brown. I, he would have had to cut off his left arm, which maybe <laughs> would be a benefit to him. <laughs> but yeah. but uh, that, that's our draft. That's it for episode four. As always, these episodes come out every Friday morning at 9 a.m. Be sure to subscribe to the College Kids YouTube channel, the only spot where you can see these videos. Make sure you give us both a follow on Twitter. Links will be in the bio. And until next week, peace. Deuces.